If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. A little bit different. Mix it up today. It's the bye week. We're shifting some things around. So we decided to do it from the house. That's how this is going to work. And uh, you know what? Still the same quality. Same quality show. Redemption Thursdays, Redemption Thursday. I've got the wagers ready to go. And, uh, and some fun games this week. I'm actually really looking forward to it in the bye. Also, to note, in today's show... We'll talk to Link Jarrett. Looking forward to that as well. It's hard to kind of wrap your mind around that he's been here for about six months. Changes are taking place over at Hauser. Opportunity to talk about that transition. I'm sure made easier by the fact that he was able to bring his whole staff in. But I think there will be a special buzz in the air for Forest State Baseball this year. Maybe not for an exhibition. Uh, but I think in terms of the season, which of course the schedule came out yesterday, not that far off. Uh, it is something to start wrapping your mind around, as is basketball, for that matter. Uh, got asked a couple questions uh, yesterday during the show about basketball and what we're expecting, that kind of a season. So these are all things you tackle during the bye week, certainly. Certain, a lot of fun to do that. But uh, circling back to football is what we're doing right now. And I mentioned that the Redemption Thursdays, they are ready. So let's get to them. I'm already pumped about this because I think that we're back on track here with the college games. I think we're we're all right. We're, we're, we're moving in a good direction here. A little up and down for most of the season. Oddly enough, my NFL 
Moneyline wagers have been doing me right. Here are the picks for the day. UAB Moneyline versus Western Kentucky. Obviously, I think UAB will win the game outright. If you are actually a bettor, you would look this up to see what kind of plus odds you're getting by taking Moneyline as opposed to the paltry uh, points you're getting in this one. At some point, this Iowa number has to be too big, right? Earlier in the week, it was 27 and a half against Ohio State. I thought, oh, I was thinking win that by 28. It got all the way up to 30 and a half this morning. And I thought, no, Tom, I, I listen, 30 and a half. I, I may wait till actual game day to see if this gets up to 31 and a half, which is a more pivotal number. But Iowa's defense is one of the best defenses in all of the Big Ten, if not the best defense in the Big Ten. Now, Iowa's offense, conversely, <laughs> is horrific. But if they keep them out of the end zone on a few of those trips and Ohio State's just looking to get out of Dodge, you know, Iowa really, what, you got to score 14 points here, Iowa, to cover that number? I'm going for it. That's the reasoning behind it. Kansas and Leipold uh, never fail me, at least in terms of no matter who's playing quarterback for them or what guys they have out, they score points. And I know they got rocked by Oklahoma, 52 points they gave up last week, but they scored 42 with their backup quarterback. So the transition for Kansas to be able to keep scoring seems to be in place. Baylor has been a disappointment. There's no other way to say it. Their defense is not what people thought they would be. People were in love with Dave Aranda a year ago. He was one of the guys, uh, along with Tucker at the Michigan State, that everybody would come on in the chat and talk about how quickly they turn things around. Yeah, well, Baylor stinks and Michigan State stinks. I'll take uh, Kansas getting the points there, nine and a half. Purdue getting points against Wisconsin. This is about a matchup. Purdue's defensive line is good. They gave up a ton of yards via the pass last week against Nebraska. They beat Nebraska. They couldn't stop Trey Palmer. The uh, transfer from LSU burned him for it. Get this. I don't know if you know this, Tom. The, the kid for Nebraska, Trey Palmer, the transfer from LSU, had 297 yards by himself last week against Purdue, 297. He had a 60-yard reverse and a 237 yards receiving on seven receptions. That is insane. And they still lost. Nebraska still lost to Purdue despite that. Uh, Purdue can stop the run, though. And all Wisconsin wants to do is run. So this seals like a matchup issue. Give me Purdue plus two and a half. Tulane minus six and a half. Tulane's a pretty good team. I think Memphis is on the verge of quitting. Penn State minus four against Minnesota. Minnesota's got injury issues. I hate their offense. We'll see if Penn State can bounce back. I'll lay the four. South Carolina getting three against Texas A&M. I just, I don't believe, I, I just don't believe in Texas A&M. I don't. I, I think they've got athletes, but they've had guys, key injuries, especially at receiver. Their offense is so ugly going on the road. I just don't see them putting up a lot of points. I'll take South Carolina home getting points. Uh, Boise State, I think, wins the game outright against Air Force so long as they don't get down early. This is an offense that I think can run the ball on Air Force. You can. UCF, hey, listen, UCF's an interesting team for me. I had UCF at the beginning of the year to be underwhelming. I won some money the other way against UCF. Not a big Gus Malzahn guy, but I do study trends, and UCF is trending in the right direction. Whatever they figured out in play calling has turned their season around. They're scoring points in bunches. They look like a much more efficient team. I like them. I'll lay the five here. I've kind of come full circle on that team, or at least on a 180. TCU minus three against Kansas State. I know a lot of people like this Kansas State defense, and for good reason, but TCU scores on everybody. I don't know. I just don't think Kansas State has the offense to hang with TCU. I'll lay the three, and there they are. 
There they are, brought to you by our friends at Metro Deli. I don't see why not. Those are the 10, and I would also know, <laughs> even when we do the show from the hizzy, we get the graphic with the money. I like it. Um, fun games. I think the card this week, Tom, uh, you know, I think I may have. This may be the biggest card this week. Uh, those are the 10 I'm putting on the show, but I think I've got upwards of 25 bets to go this weekend. 25. 25. Oh, my goodness. I There wasn't – so I'm in a lot of pools, as you might suspect. Um, but I'm in a, I'm in a bunch of pools where it's like some of them are nominal amounts of money. Some of them are big, some of them are no money, whatever. But when you're in that many pools, the point would be this, you have to look at the card a lot, right? You're like, Oh, I got this one. Then I've got this other pool. One of the pools you're in. So then I was like, I got to do that. And then I got to do that. And then I'm in this other thing, this chips game that I play with a buddy of mine. And, and we do all these different where you have poker chips at the start of the year. You can lay yeah. on each game. You've done that, right? I, no, I can't believe I didn't sign up for it this year. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm an idiot. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I know. But, I know. So I'm in a chips game. And so all these things are cool. Um, but but I end up having to study the card because some of the cards are different depending on the pools you're in, right? They, they don't do every game. But over the course of being in four or five pools, you end up looking at every game. And this weekend, more than any other, and it just coincides with the buy, which I think is exciting for me because I can watch all day. Um I, I, as I was going through it, I, at one point I was like, I think I could bet 30 games this weekend. And this is not the byproduct of being a compulsive gambler or anything like that. I'm really not. There are weekends where I'll bet two games or none. There are weekends where I'll bet 17 games, whatever. It just depends on what jumps off the card. I think I had like 30 plus games this weekend where I went, you know, I, I, I mean, I see a say, I see a side, I see an angle here. Some of those are first half totals. Some of those are, you know, team totals. Some of those, so they're not all yeah. sides, but you know, some of them are you know first quarter totals, things like that. Sounds like you and I need to do a lot more talking before Saturday. That's uh, off the air because <laughs> I love a good bye week, and um, if you've got that much action, my God, we need to go um, watch many screens in one. Yeah, time. well, you and I could get together. We could always swing by a place like the CP or something, and we can sit back and go, okay, I need this on the Tulane game. I need yep. this one. On, you know, like, people oh. are like, what are we watching over here, Jeff? Well, we got pull there. You know, they'll give us the remote. So, yeah, <laughs> I think you can pull that off. Yeah, I do like the cards this week. And I do love that it falls on a bye week where we can take it all in and really watch a lot of football. I actually, oddly... I know this is a weird thing to say out loud, but I will be watching intently tonight. Georgia Tech, there was a good article Andy Staples wrote in The Athletic uh, for people to read about what Georgia Tech did to get their season turned around. And some of the things that really they focused on details and stuff like that, some of it's banal. But I would say that, you know, obviously that if you're going to go 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh over your next five, it's got to start with a home game coming out of a bye week against Georgia Tech. I mean, you're going to have to win that game. That can't be a game that you, you stumble on, or else we're starting to talk about a, a real disconcerting trend. But but I, I think if you, if you want to know more about that team, you can watch them tonight, first of all, against Virginia, which is not a great game, but it's more about opponent study. So is that a seed of doubt that I hear? Based upon an article, are you a little more worried about Georgia Tech because of what you read? I'm not. I think that they did a good job of simplifying what they do, but their offensive line is still a major problem. And if you're getting Fabian Lovett back and your defensive line is getting healthier and you're at home coming off of a bye, 
I feel like that should be something you could overcome. Just because Georgia Tech got back to the basics, they removed some toxicity from the coaching staff, and they were able to kind of simplify their game plan and focus on the fundamentals. Well, that's what every team, every program that's in trouble has to do. You know, I, I you know this. I cover Nebraska for On3, and I do a once-a-week show with those great hosts on Husker Online. Well, their defense uh, was given up uh, – gobs of yards per game it was insane and we were talking with them about well what can you do what 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 can what can billy bush their defensive coordinator do during the bye week and they're like us because they played that early game they get two bye weeks so they were talking about well you just got to simplify things you got to let these kids know what they're looking at give them one key instead of three and just get back to basics and i thought to myself We've been here for that. We've watched Florida State have to do that. We've talked about that. After that 0-4 start a year ago, we were like, okay, stop rotating so many guys in. Let's everybody find out what our fundamental roles are. And now that makes you very basic, but at least you know what you're doing. And, you know, it's better to have guys play fast because they know where they're supposed to be and what they're doing than it is guys thinking their way through a play. And I think that every team in transition tries to do that. It doesn't make me fear them, but it does simplify things. And so they can play downhill and against lesser teams, it works. But if you're a good football team, you can attack them a lot of different ways and leave them, you know, in bad shape. And if you flip sides of it offensively, um, you know, I still don't think that's an elite team and they have had a real hard time blocking. So I think Florida State will still be in good shape there. And that has to be a win. That just has to be a win. If it's not, we're fundamentally altering the questions about this staff and the, and the yeah. kind of season we're having. It's just, uh, again, you know, this is going to be my refrain. Sorry, folks, until about the end of the pregame show next Saturday afternoon from or morning from Hotel Indigo is, you know, in 2015, Georgia Tech's one ACC win was Florida State. Sure, sure. And then if the weather delay doesn't happen in Mike Norvell's debut, you probably win that game and win it fairly comfortably. Maybe, maybe not. But the weather delay certainly stopped any kind of forward momentum FSU had. They had a ton of it. And that team should never have lost to that Georgia Tech team. So just they always seem to be in the middle of problems for us. And I think one of the great things about the challenge at hand with that particular matchup, not on paper, but the time and the situation. It's a noon kick. We're coming off of three straight losses off a of bye week. We'll see what kind of atmosphere and reception everybody gets as they come out of the tunnel. This is an easy team to love, but I'm talking about attendance. What is Doke going to look like for that game? Is it 65,000, 58,000? Is it a sellout? We'll find out, but the noon kick is a better challenge uh, of Florida State's mindset, their commitment. It's going to tell us more. If it was a night kick, I feel like no matter what happened, in the lead up through the bye week and the week of practice for Georgia Tech, the night kick would carry Florida State to a place where it would be like Boston College. Look at this atmosphere. They're going to be ready to go. You're going to see how hard they worked because the noon kickoff has a way of um, creating transparency about how involved are you? Are you thinking about the Miami game or are you thinking about today? So we'll find out pretty shortly, though. Yeah, and I think there are instances throughout a season where – you don't get as intensely focused or locked in as you'd like for a particular game. And a lot of times setting has a lot to do with that. You know, as you've noted, if you're in a Mickey Mouse atmosphere like at Duke or maybe even Wake Forest or places like that, now Wake ought to have your undivided attention most days these days because they're on the field play is so good. But, you know, you have to provide your own energy. 
you would like to think you don't have to provide your own energy for a home game, but I got to be honest with you. I suspect that the numbers won't be good uh, for attendance uh, for that game. I could be wrong. Maybe the bye week will engender some thirst to see Florida State football again and, you know, all that. But, and the weather's nice right now. So maybe, maybe that transition helps too. But I don't know. Georgia Tech's not an opponent that people get excited about these days. Um, they don't they exactly, would, yeah, they don't exactly come down by the busload from Atlanta mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, it's hard to imagine that that's going to be anywhere near 70,000. I would suspect 55,000, Tom. I, I mean, I just throwing out guesses here. I'm having a hard time believing that's going to be a great atmosphere. Shouldn't matter. Go execute. Go win the football game. And, you know, in a weird way, and I think I'm more malleable in terms of the way I view success than I used to be when it comes to a week-to-week proposition regarding young men playing football, right? I don't need you. If you're a national championship caliber team, if you, if you're Ohio state, you're Georgia or somebody like that, you know, a lot of times I suspect I want to see against an overmatched opponent, a lopsided score. But when you're not that team, you when you don't have bigger, stronger, faster at every position the way some of those teams do and the way we used to be, you know, look, man, I get it. You, you might win a game 23 to 13 and not look great, and it could be a bit of a slog. And I won't hold it against you, but you got to win it. You know, that's the point. The, the point is you got to win it. And I don't need Florida State. It'd be great, but I don't need Florida State to go out and beat Georgia Tech 41 to 10 you know, it'd, it'd be awesome. That'd be a great signal of things to come. It would be a good sign of how serious and focused they were and all those things we would talk about. But I do need them to execute well enough, to play well enough, to not be in a position where come that fourth quarter, everything shifts back on the home team that's favored. All of that pressure we talk about, what these five games mean, what your record is in those five games, overcoming and shaking off the three straight losses, like all of it would come to bear at that moment that you enter the fourth quarter tied at 17. You know, you would feel the tension yeah. in the stands, on the sidelines. With it, you could you will see it in Mike's demeanor. It will all be revealed if that happens. That's big if we're speculating well, way off in the future here. I just need them to play well enough to 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 execute a win and, and move on to the next. Yeah, on the positive side, I'm just really excited to go watch this offense work because they've got choices that uh, the likes of which they haven't had in in quite some time here at this program because, again, it feels like a watershed moment to be able to run on Clemson the way they ran on Clemson. Unfortunately, if they can't, for them, if they can't in the future, we're going to say, what the hell? You could do it to Clemson. Why the hell couldn't you run on Miami? Why the hell couldn't you run on Syracuse at the same clip? And I get that other schemes might create more problems or bodies committed to the line of scrimmage. But now I have a a, a defined expectation that if they show up ready to go, which I think they're going to against Georgia Tech, they should be able to run for big yardage. They should be able to run explosive plays and then also just sustain plays. And if they don't, that's going to be a little interesting. I think if the game is close next week, it's going to be because it's higher scoring, not because it's 13-all or 17-all. It's going to be because Georgia Tech, led by a quarterback who can make some magic on his own, finds a way to 27 after three quarters or 24 after three quarters. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on that. Yeah. 
Well, because it speaks to the other thing that we all seem to agree on right now, which is that we trust the defense less than we trust the offense. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that that's true. I think that you could see a scenario by which all of a sudden you have to win 38-28 or something well, like that. Yeah, against that kind of a quarterback, I trust the defense less. Um, but Fabian Lovett trending in the right direction helps mitigate an awful lot of my worries on first and second down, meaning that if Jeff Sims were to scramble on third down and gain six yards, we might get off the field with Fabian Lovett in the game, meaning that they'll be in third and long. Uh, but the concern would be if he if he isn't able to go as, and something happens with his ramp-up process into the next game that we play, then I feel like there's going to be third and threes. And third and three, when you've got a quarterback who can run like that, is it's not indefensible, but it's actually not a great provision. Uh, if you've got a pocket passer in that situation, you feel about 50-50 on it. But if you've got a guy who can run like Sims can, third and three feels like an uphill battle. So hopefully Fabian's back because that will also make everybody around him look better linebackers and secondary included. Yeah, it's it's I'm so eager to see what this defensive line looks like with him back. It's almost like you forget because you did see it against LSU for much of that game and and you saw after basically the first series and a half when Fabian got tested cuz early LSU had some success running and I remember Fabian it's almost like he had to flip a switch. Yep. And he, he realized it was time to play some big boy football. And there's one moment in particular you can go back and watch where he absolutely sheds a blocker, throws him on his ass, and stuffs a run in the hole. It's a two-yard gain. But it's like he had this, oh, no, we're not doing this out here today. Yeah. And, and, and it was interesting. Like, oh, yeah, games are different. You know, this is not practice. It's time to lock it in here. Games are different. And then he gets robbed of being able to go with the flow of a season and do that several more times. So how quickly can he get back into that mindset and flip the switch and dominate? Yeah, there was a play. Uh, they've got goal to go and there's a double team on Fabian. And in the beginning, he gets pushed back. Yes. And he responds and he basically throws the rear end of the offensive lineman into the running back and the running back gets bounced off. It looks like a, almost like a butt fumble type play. And it's hidden because you know, in a moment where they're four or five yards away from pay dirt, you're thinking, oh, great. Well, it's third and goal. You're not thinking about the majesty of a play like right. Fabian Lovett just made. If it was first and 10 from their own 25, you'd feel very differently about that play than second and goal from the four sure. or sure. something like that. And that's, yeah, again, he, he can make that kind of a difference to where, I mean, again, it, it's very basic. But if Fabian Lovett plays 40 snaps in that game against Georgia Tech, you just got a lot better at the second level because you're not asking a Jared Jackson to play 50 snaps. You're asking him to play 25 or 30. Joshua Farmer doesn't have to play all the snaps. Yeah, it's Robert. true for all your secondary players. I don't mean those in the secondary. I mean your second string, third string guy, your third option. All those rotations become more effective well, because they're not being asked to make that many more plays than they're accustomed to. And I can tell you that it's the maddening thing about Jared Jackson. He makes some plays that I don't even think Fabian can make, but it's the consistency factor. It, Tuesday in practice, again, he he does this every once in a while. You go, where is that consistently? He ragdolls one of our starting guards, grabs him, chucks him to the ground, and fills the run gap and is just waiting on the play. And you go, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I need to see more of that. Right. And you just don't if he's out there for 65 plays. But if he's out there for 25, you might. You might very well.
Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. If you're in the chat today, guys, we can't respond to you. Again, transparency. This is recorded this afternoon away from the station. I'm at my house. Tom's at his. Uh, just a bye week, we had an opportunity to take a little downtime. Still wanted to provide content, but we can't respond to you in the chat. We apologize. Doesn't mean you can't chat. Just means we can't respond. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Right here in our hometown is a local spot where you can take a break from all your worries. A place where everybody knows his name is Smitty's Tap House and Grill. Smitty's deep appreciation for fine craft beers and tasty bar treats sets the stage as the ideal local neighborhood pub. Want to know more? Just visit smittystaphouse.com to check out the full menu. Come see us at Smitty's Tap House and Grill on Thomasville Road, just north of Cary Forest Parkway. You'll be glad you came, where everybody knows his name. We all want more energy, more strength, more results. Well, welcome to Orange Theory Fitness as you take a step towards feeling more alive today. Backed by science, Orange Theory's heart rate monitored workout is scientifically designed to keep heart rates in a target zone, spiking metabolism and increasing energy. Orange Theory Fitness is a one-of-a-kind group personal training workout resulting in more energy, visible toning, and extra calorie burn for up to 36 hours. Experience more vibrant life today with Orange Theory Fitness. To find out more, go to orangetheoryfitness.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. today normally we do our isf solving for the future segment in hour number two we're doing it in hour number one today have the interview with link jarrett set for hour number two today so just had to flip-flop a little bit there we love our partners at isf and we love this collaborative effort that we've had uh today's will also be different in that a lot of times we reach out to you on the chat and ask you uh, to kind of weigh in on the question at hand. Before we get to that, let me just remind everybody that uh, ISF uh, is an IT strategy firm. They've done this work for 40 years, and they've served state government and business clients across the nation. They're experts in government processes. They've worked with in-government agencies across the country, even though they're located right here in Tallahassee. And they have been unmatched in their expertise in developing strategies, evaluating and refining the process, and implementing technological solutions that are realistic and forward-thinking. And they do so in a collaborative manner. Uh, they know you want to do amazing things, and you have big visions and big goals, and you want those things to, to be able to happen, to be realized, and ISF will help you get there. Tom, I think when, when we look at this in terms of Solving for the future, if we bring it back home to, to Florida State and try to solve for that, I, we're on the right path 
right now in a lot of areas. Um, you know, Florida State has been, no matter who they play this year, very competitive, in a position to win all of their games. Um, that's a good sign that we're moving in the right direction. That is tangible evidence that the team now is competitive, even against the best of teams in this conference at the very least. And, of course, they did get the win over LSU. So, so you know that. Um, but in order to sustain that, you brought something up on the show yesterday, and I've thought about this a lot even earlier in the year. I've had this discussion a lot with some people off the air. And the thought about, and Corey brought it up on headlines, so it's been on the mind of a lot of people, and that is, where are you at if Jordan Travis doesn't play next year at quarterback? Where are you at if Fabian takes it to the NFL on the defensive line and Jared Verst chooses to do the same? You know, wh where are you at if you lose four or five key contributors? Say Johnny Wilson gets a great grade from the NFL and surprises you even though he doesn't have a ton of reps and says, you know what? I'm projected to go first two rounds because of my height and athleticism. I'm going to go to the league. It could happen. I mean, I, I, I doubt all those guys go, but where are you at from a depth standpoint to withstand that? Now in the modern era, that question gets more difficult to answer because the truth is you have answers that you didn't have in the past, which is that I could just pluck some guys in the transfer portal yeah. And plug and play. After all, Johnny Wilson is the byproduct of doing just that. After all, Jared Verse is the byproduct of doing just that. And before him was Jermaine Johnson, who was the byproduct of doing just that. This staff has acquitted themselves exceptionally well when it comes to the transfer portal. So you are not bereft of hope when you play out the scenario that all these guys leave because you know they could be supplanted with guys that have been identified already on other rosters and convinced to come to Tallahassee. It's not the ideal way to keep doing business, but it is a necessary uh, modus operandi for a coaching staff while they're trying to sustain some success level on the field. Because what you can't do is you can't lose those guys, have no answers, save for only in high school recruiting, and then those guys aren't ready, and you have a five and seven campaign right on the heels of a good season. That would set you back to a place where I don't know that you could overcome it. So a lot of people are very, very nervous about that. And I think the answer is in recruiting to a large extent. Florida State's got to be better. As of right now, according to on three rankings, Florida State is 16th in recruiting. At some point, you're going to have to start cracking those top 10 recruiting classes again for the long-term success. But in the short term, you know, it is funny. I think you are probably going to have to bring in at least three difference makers in the transfer portal um, for, for you to sustain this eight-win type campaign. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot to work with there. Um, I hear us, and, and, you know, it's kind of my fault in the first segment talking about the nooner kick with Georgia Tech and it might be sleepy and a challenge and you know Georgia Tech is kind of like my Jacksonville Dolphins the old Matt Barr <laughs> special yeah um I don't feel that negative about next year even if most of those guys go the reason is I think the offensive line is going to be good I think next year the offensive line is going to be good yeah. and you've got some young solutions to that problem you'll have some holdovers who have been here since 1974 and you combine those two things and I think they're going to be able to run the ball and pass the ball. And I understand that Dylan Gibbons is going to be one of those departures. He has to be. 
but I like some of the options they have. At Are golf. you sure? You sure we can't find another year for Dylan Gibbons? I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, the man's almost as bald as you are at this point. So, oh yeah, he's I mean, he's on the fast track, Dylan. We see you, baby. <laughs> I think he's got to go at some point, and he's been he had a great game this past weekend against. Yes, Clemson. he did. But I like what I see out of the offensive line. The running back uh, group is going to be just fine. Rodney Hill is eventually going to get some touches. I know we lobbied hard for him against Clemson. It didn't happen. Didn't need to though because Trey Benson ran hard, and I think he'll be back next year. Uh, Treshawn could be back again next year. Toafili certainly will be. So you're, you're pretty well set there. Even if Johnny were to go, and I understand that you're going to have to go in the transfer portal to probably find another wide receiver, you're not completely devoid of options at that position as you were last offseason when the, when the final you know clock ran down to zeros against Florida. You thought, my God, they have to do unbelievable work to find any bodies with a pulse at this particular position. I don't think that's going to be the case this offseason. You got some guys that you like. Johnny's a, a bona fide difference maker, uh, but I think you'll be improved at tight end next year as well. So offensively, the weapons around whatever quarterback ends up taking snaps for Florida State is going to be more balanced. And so I feel pretty good about that. They could they scheme up open plays when they don't have dudes. They're going to have some dudes next year. Defensively, I think that's where you got to do some work in the portal if you lose both Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse. I love what's coming up in the near future in the interior of the defensive line. Joshua Farmer has grown up. He's gotten a lot better. Uh, Daniel Lyons is going to be a very good player, so is Bishop Thomas. But you need kind of a plugger, uh, somebody who can fill the role of a healthy Robert Cooper, who can neutralize things at the point of attack in order to help that defensive interior go. You're going to have to do some heavy lifting at linebacker again. You're going to have to get better there. And in the secondary, it's well documented. Uh, you're going to need at least depth, even if Azaria Thomas and Sam McCall graduate up the ranks and they could be, you know, down in, down out contributors. You got those two guys, Shaheem Brown, and we'll see what Kevin Knowles is next year, along with Renardo. And that's your mix. You need more. You got to have three or four more bodies at that particular group. But if I add all those things together, it's a flawed team, but it's not a bad team. that's only going to win five games. So I, I feel OK about the long term projections. And I'm going to assume that out of the list of four or five guys that you put out there as potential departures, at least two of them come back because let's be real. NIL is going to help you retain talent that has a middling draft grade. We've all wink winked and nodded when Clemson brings back his entire starting defensive line that could have been top 50 picks. And we say, how it's amazing how they do that. Well, now you could talk about it in the open. Mm -hmm. I think a big part of what the collective needs to do is have a retained budget every year. You've got to have a budget set aside for kids that are tweeners that will bring them back for another season. They did it with Jamie Robinson, among others, this year, as far as me reading the tea leaves would go. you got to do that again for next season. It's probably one of the more fascinating elements of NIL is the retained budget for these schools. Obviously, in places where money is no object, it's not much of a thought. You just find out what a guy wants and what it's going to take and whether or not you think he's worth it. But I, I, I do think at Florida State, where that's not the luxury, uh, it is not a, a endless supply of money, um, you do have to really evaluate these guys. You know, I don't want to knock them, but if you were evaluating Jamie Robinson, I don't know what his value was. I don't know what that money was. I don't know how much he got to come back or, or what they did to facilitate that. But if we were 
going through that process again at the end of this year, based on what I've seen through the first seven games, I wouldn't spend a lot of money on Jamie Robinson. Um, I'd spend what, you know, a pretty nominal amount these days. I don't know what that is. I don't know what, what is considered a low ball offer to a kid and what's considered to be the norm. I don't, you know, I don't, it's a weird process we're all going through and getting used to in college football. And that's true of the collectives evaluating these guys and what they mean to your team and how much of your budget should go to that player. That's got to be exceptionally difficult, especially when you're not working with the university and you can't discuss it with the coaches. I mean, how on earth do you decide what that is, Tom? Right. Oh, I, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, these people have <laughs> incredible powers. I don't know if they call Miss Cleo and they get on a conference call with Miss Cleo and then they find out what's necessary, but they do. Yeah. They do. You know, the thing is, you've got to have all these other ancillary. Um, I know I've used the word a lot, but budgets in order to handle roster, uh, you know, construction every year, because it's not just about retention for the NFL draft. You also have to have a nest egg away in case another big time school comes calling for right. some of your talent. You know, it's a lot easier. I don't know what the NCAA is going to do about unlimited transfers or whatever. I know that's been pitched. It's not going to kick in this offseason. It's easier for a guy like Jared Verse. You got two ways here. It's like a two-way contract. He either goes pro or he stays here. He's already transferred. So if he went somewhere else, unless he graduates, he's got to sit out. So you feel pretty good about, okay, I don't have to fight off two enemies here. It's just one enemy. But some of these other players who might flash for a week or two, and then who knows who calls, Georgia or even Clemson or somebody along those lines, you have to guard against that and you have to have money at the ready because these things can happen within a couple of days of each other. You know, it's they I I make a call, I say, hey, what can you do for me? You got 48 hours. I mean, damn, that's not an easy place to be as an organization. So I know that's getting off the beaten path a little bit. Uh, but I would ask this question in regards to next year's roster construction. Who is more important to you to ensure Florida State has a high floor? for next year's win and loss record. So you got to be considering what is further down the depth chart behind this player. Jared Verse or Jordan Travis? Who is more important for the 2020 the success of the 2023 season given what they have behind them? And if you had to spend potato chips to retain one or the other, you couldn't keep both. This is what the collective has to be doing. They have to be going through these exercises. Who would you choose? Yeah, it's a very difficult exercise specific to those two players i would like to see more this is a predicament you find yourself in did tate rodemaker move out from under the tent of suspicion to being a guy that now can play you know he can play it's going to look a little different there are areas where he'll never be as good as jordan travis and very few people can run like jordan travis so that's fine he's not going to be that I think he's every bit the thrower that Jordan Travis is. So I wouldn't worry about that. But is his confidence at a place now where he, because he had that night, you now know moving forward with this guy that he's unflappable and he's going to get the most out of his talents as a passer. And he's not a bad athlete. The, the long scramble showed you that. So, you know, can you win with him? Well, if he's the confident guy that was chucking the ball over the yard in the second half of the Louisville game is – resoundingly, yes, you could, so I'm spending on Jared Verse because I don't have a bona fide pass rush without him. I don't have a guy, when healthy, that is going to consistently. Now, you think Patrick Payton's going to be that guy? Maybe. I mean, I, we'll see. 
But even still, if he is, and you lose verse, you still only, you know, you only have the one there, and that yeah. can be mitigated. So I just, I would need more evidence. This is where the coaches really, you have to be able to talk to them and say, what are we doing here? I mean, do you really think he's ready to play? Do you think Duffy will be ready to play? Because you and I don't think so necessarily. Not next year even, maybe. So he could have a good camp. He, he's got the potential in him to be ready, but he's got to but, but it's not ideal. You'd like him to have to wait one more year, I think. Uh, so to me, I, that's a tough question, Tom. I think I'd spin on verse, though. At first I, glance, I think I'd spin on verse. I would tend to agree because, again, I, I'm going to forecast that the offensive line's pretty good next year. Right, so you can run, which sets things up for Tate to throw the ball down the field. Much easier decisions to make, and it's not like Tate runs a 5-2-40. You know, nobody is dy- as, as dynamic as Jordan Travis, but if, if a, a read option is one of the base plays in your offense, Tate can make you earn it by gaining 10 to 12. If you Yes, he can, yeah. So, you know, there is that. Uh, but I also know... That the good thing is you got five more games of evidence to come to kind of solidify, crystallize exactly what your options are going to be. Because if Jordan's average over the next five games, whatever your win and loss total is, chances are he's going to be coming back or remaining in the college game in, in some you know variety. Uh, if he if he lights out, then the decision's made for you about where you're going to go with it. So the thing is, though, if you want to be nimble. You have to be prepared for every one of these potential scenarios, and it's a nightmare because for a head coach, they're already paranoid. Now they're extra paranoid in the era of just freelance transfers for non-graduate students. Uh, but you also, as a, as a collective, it's not the burden of solely the head coach. The collective has to be ready to go as well, and you can't give 100% of your budget to the uh, incoming uh, high school recruiting class or the incoming class plus the transfers that are incoming. You, it's all about making sure that there are pieces of the pie designated for roster retention on top of transfer portal. And then also making sure that uh, you bring in the high school kids that are going to make the difference in the long run. Uh, it's got to be a maddening time in college football for say the boosters who are dealing with a different, a different world. If on the one hand you, you collect all these funds for projects around the university and things like that. And these days, those monies that you're collecting, you're competing in a weird way with these other collectives and Florida state alumni fans, boosters, supporters of any kind are at a, they're at a, at a crossroads. Do I give my money to the university, the university sponsored individual that's calling me for this donation? He works for the university and for the boosters or this collective that is going to pay players because the players are going to win us games, which is ultimately what I want as a fan. Yeah. Uh, if I want to donate to the chemistry department, I can do that. But this, this, you know what I mean? This is it's very difficult, I think, to figure it all out right now. And I'll tell you why I bring that up. Doing shows with teams in the Big Ten and talking to other programs for the Sunday morning show and the and the guys that I've interviewed out of the SEC and the Big Ten, those two conferences, Tom, do not worry about player retention, not from a financial standpoint. Right. It never comes up. Like if you – I was having a conversation with a guy talking about what they were going to have to pay to bring in the new coach to Nebraska. 
And his exact response is, well, money's not an object. They're not worried about the money. They'll pay him whomever he is, whatever he needs. And that includes for his staff. So whoever they hire is going to get the, the, the best of the budget. Like it, they don't have to worry about any of it. And that is not the reality we live in, which is scary for Florida State. And, and, and we have to hope that that is changing all the time. And we know through certain collectives like Rising Spirit is, but man, that's I, I, I would love to have the liberty of saying we really need a wide receiver and do what USC did. Well, US, USC decided not only do we need a wide receiver, we're going to go get the very best one. The, well, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, we're just going to go pay him to come here to USC. We're going to pluck him from Pittsburgh, and he's going to come. Well, we're not in that position. No, but this is where I'll return to something we talked about in the offseason, which is where's your money better spent? Is it spent on overhauling a coaching staff or going after players? And I think that's one of the fundamental things that you've got to ask yourself. Uh, not saying that Mike Norvell's in trouble at all. In fact, I think he's totally fine. But, you know, do you make three or four uh, changes on the staff and that costs you a player or two? Or do you make two changes on the staff and then you get an extra player or two. What makes a bigger difference to you? And that's where this conversation has to be so streamlined, even though it can't be because of legislative hurdles, or at least they can't be on the record uh, due to legislative hurdles. It's um, it's an interesting place, and the math you got to do is so different. I think we're fine in terms of discretionary income at Florida State for the next couple of few years, but you do need the cavalry to come in terms of conference changing and TV payouts. <laughs> <laughs> shortly thereafter. But I think I think we can get to that point where we're in the middle of this decade and it's not like we're going to buy the luxury car, but we're not going to buy a beater either. You know, right. it's just, we'll be able to be functional and it's a respectable it's a respectable car. That's a, that's a fully loaded sedan. It's a fine automobile. It's a fully loaded sedan. Is it the $150,000 SUV? No, but it's a fully loaded sedan. This is going to be a nice trip that we go on. But you do need the money for the luxury SUV in the near future, and hopefully that comes. That's solving for the future from my friends and partners at ISF. They've worked in 18 states for state and local agencies, serving millions of citizens, 40 years in business. They solve for the future every day. They know that you and your staff work hard, and your uh, constituents, they depend on you. You want to streamline workflows, introduce new technologies, Make those dreams possible. You're going to do it with ISF. Check them out today, isf.com. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. What do you want? We're talk show hosts. It's what happens. So I went long in the first two segments. 
And even if we're not in the studio, we want to provide good content. But we got carried away. It's like Tom and I were having a conversation over a cold beer, just talking about what we can do to save FSU and solve for the future. And what's the team going to look like on the back half? I'll tell you what is going to happen next in the uh, second hour of the program, which is forthcoming. We'll bring in new head baseball coach whom we brought on right when he was hired, Link Jarrett. He's a, a fun guy to talk to, and I think a lot of people are excited about him arriving in Florida State and some of the changes that have been made. We'll talk to him about the roster, but we'll talk to him about the facilities and what's possible for Florida State moving forward. It's Link Jarrett next hour. Amongst that football talk, we'll revisit the picks as well for Redemption Thursday. It's the Jeff Cameron Show 93.3. Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.